Welcome to Slow News Day with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. We are back. The Super Bowl is set and Lindsay Jones is here. Lindsay, hello. Good morning, Kevin. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, a lot on my plate. Had a, a child a few weeks ago, just before the pod we were going to do two weeks ago. That was put on. <laughs> we, we, we pressed pause on that. A tough decision, obviously, uh, to to not go forward with a random Monday pod. Um, no, it's amazing. Yeah, I can't, I can't believe your wife wasn't okay with that, but, you know. Yeah, no, I, I was like, I really uh, you know, kind of messed up my day here. You know, like, you really, we're going to have a kid now? Um, all right, no, it's amazing. Uh, letter of recommendation, having a child, it's the great, greatest thing you can do, all that stuff. I promise I'm not going to become, we are going to do one thing with Danny Kelly later in the week. I promise I'm not going to become like a dad, a dad caster, where I'm just talking about my child all the time um but i but yeah we'll do it we'll, danny kelly and i'll do something later this week and then i'll try to keep that i feel keep that i feel contained. a little attacked about that it's fine <laughs> you should no 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 i i i'm <laughs> no, talking no, about no, people who just like take anything and are like well you know it's like with my kid and it's like well okay there's a lot of that going around well i'm just hoping at some point he makes a slow news day appearance whenever he's whenever he's ready when his hair whenever is ready, he's, ready. When he's got a quarter zip uh, he wouldn't ready. be the first person to poop on camera. It'd be fine. I don't want him to be self-conscious about it. Um, Scott Van Pelt, who was on the show earlier this year, suggested that he come on the SVP, Teddy come on the SVP pod and poop since his dog did that earlier this year. I mean, it would so, only be fair. Yeah. Um, all right. Super Bowl set. Eagles, Chiefs, probably the most compelling matchup when you think about it. Um, this is the first time in five years, I believe, that the two number one seeds are in the Super Bowl, um, which suggests a couple of things. We're, we're, we're going to get to that. Uh, the Eagles are a two-point favorite after some really volatile uh, line movements when it came out. It came out as a pick and then within a couple of minutes, it had changed like four or five times. Um, and that's just, I, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think sometimes people put on the tinfoil hat with line movements, but like I, in three minutes, I'm not sure that every the entire world tilted on its axis and, and all that stuff. But we're going to get to that. But we will start, Lindsay. We have eight questions, five minutes each. We know the format. We will start with the biggest question. Who will win the Super Bowl? There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. I mean, I wish I knew the answer to that right now, because clearly Las Vegas doesn't even know the answer to that. And Las Vegas always knows better. There's a lot of caveats. And I think a lot of those we're going to get into later. It's how healthy is Patrick Mahomes going to be? Is he going to have any receivers to throw to? Um, I've got to pick the Chiefs today, but I've got two Mm. weeks to change my mind. I was surprised. I was looking at ESPN's predictions earlier, and I'm surprised how many people are picking the Eagles. 
And it's funny because going in, I'm sure you heard after the game last night, the Chiefs Bengals game, Mahomes being like, oh, if only 5% of people picked us to win or something, it's like nobody gave us a chance. And I'm like, that's not true. Like maybe in the Cincinnati mayor's office, that that was the case. But no, that's not true. And in this one, I'm actually surprised at the consensus building towards the Eagles. Now, I think it's a lot of recency bias. Sure, sure. There's a couple of things here. Number one is the Eagles have the third most sacks in history of football. And I'm sure there's some 17-game caveat there, but that's still pretty significant. The Chiefs, by the way, are number two in the NFL in sacks with 55. Pretty significant difference. Um, They are absolutely nasty in the lines. They're absolutely the the Eagles. Um, The depth that they have is unbelievable. They generated, even yesterday, a 61% pressure rate in the NFC Championship game. Uh, that's the a- a Eagles record since next-gen stats started keeping score. Okay, um, Now, there's a couple things there. Josh Johnson couldn't even take a snap. They couldn't. They were teeing off on the guys, and, and we will get to the caveats. But we know that the Eagles can send guys. And it's hard for me because I normally look at the lines. The biggest professional regret, as far as picking things I ever have is not seeing the Bucks and Chiefs result coming. Yeah. Cause it was so obvious in retrospect. And I, I was remember talking to Chiefs guys afterwards and they knew it like on the first snap. You know, they were like, oh no, we ran out of linemen. This sucks. Yeah. Anyway, Cancun on three. You know, like that kind of thing. It was like, oh man, we just we're we're not gonna have this one. Um and they were letting Mahomes tee off. And so I'm trying to guard against that. And I'm looking at this Eagles pass rush. Jerron Hargrave won 50% of his pass rush snaps yesterday. Hassan Reddick uh, had three pressures on only 14 pass rushing snaps. Uh, he had two, two of those being sacks. This is a nasty. And one was the sack. One was I mean, the, the sack. the sack that changed that game. That's correct. And I'm going back and forth on this. And I'm wondering, listen, Chris Jones is as good as any player in, in football, in football. Led the all defensive tackles and pass rush win rate last year. Um, he double teamed at 70%. Seth Walder had that. That's basically Aaron Donald level ratio as far as double teams and pressure rate. It's unbelievable. And I'm, what I'm going back and forth on is, is the talent difference in the line so significant that I'm going to pick against Patrick Mahomes? Right. That, that's that's the question. And that's what happened with the Bucks. There is that the offensive line and the injuries made it so significant that you can't pick against Patrick Holmes. And oh, by the way, Tom Brady was on the other side of the ball. OK, which is important in that, in that equation. And the more I think about it with it, with the injury, with the health, the more I think. That they just can't they just can't overcome it. And the, the is Eagles roster one fifty three, one through forty six, whatever the active thing is. It's just too nasty. And I think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I, I think that's a good, solid analysis on it. And I think we're going to go back and forth for 10 straight days, basically. I mean, not, not two full weeks here because I think the line is going to continue to move. I think every time there's any little bit of update about what's going on with Patrick Mahomes and his ankle and his receiving core, it's going to shift a little bit. Um, I've been really surprised about the Chiefs 
lines over the last two years. I mean, the way that they remade their offensive line coming off of that Super Bowl in the 2021 season was really impressive. I mean, the way that they kind of had a mission and they attacked it, they threw a ton of money at it, obviously, um, but they knew what their weakness was and they fixed it. And the way that they've managed to, I mean, you said they have the second most sacks in the NFL. And yes, it's a big gap between them and the Eagles at number Basically one. Basically a sack per game. But that was probably outside of the like, what is this offense going to look like without Tyreek Hill question? Where was they? Where was the pass rush going to come from was my other big question for the Chiefs outside of Chris Jones, because we know what Chris Jones can do, but we've seen him take this monumental leap. But the fact that they're getting significant contributions from Frank, Frank Clark, who has gone absent for long stretches of seasons since he signed there or they traded for him and then he signed there, um, they've gotten production out of George Karloftis, like more than I expected that they were going to out of that rookie. So, you know, I don't know if the talent gap is as big as as it was. I mean, I think in that Super Bowl two years ago against the Bucks, I mean, it was like a JV team playing one of the best defenses of the last 15 years. And it was unfair. It was a complete mismatch there, right? I don't think the gap is that large this year. So I just want to see how healthy Mahomes is going to be. And then just how they're going to scheme it up, right? I guess those, I guess those are my questions. So right now, I'll, I'll take Chiefs. You'll take Eagles, and one of us will be right. It's great. All right. The alarm has sounded. We have to move on to the next question. It's a big question. Is Chiefs-Bengals the best rivalry in the National Football League? I mean, you it's like getting my 90s, there. my 90s ESPN voice in the National it, Football League. Uh yeah, yes, you've been practicing that one for two weeks. I oh, yeah. Tell. Oh, yeah. That's all I've been doing. Haven't even seen my kid. <laughs> You're working on your bits on him. It's fine. That's you right. have like a captive, a captive audience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting there. I mean, I I will say I want to take back on one of my takes from the preseason. And that was oh, that um, Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen was going to be kind of this the new, like our new generation's Brady Manning. And it's probably now Mahomes versus Burrow. Uh, you know, I think we've had four really interesting games between these two teams. We've had back-to-back AFC championship games. And I think Allen and the Bills are still going to be in that mix. And I think Bills and Bengals are going to kind of be interesting for a long time to come. Bills, Chiefs, they're going to be playing each other. But the way that the NFL schedule works and that the teams that win their divisions play each other every year, we're going to be getting a lot of um, Bengals Chiefs, and it's really fun. And they clearly don't like each other. I think the way that yesterday's game went down is going to fuel that rivalry. Um, you know, the, the second best rival is probably now the Bengals versus the refs, Zach Taylor's face mm. versus the officials. Um, we're going to get to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's in there. You know, you know, I think the best rivalries are always going to be the division, like the really long standing, you know. Ravens, Steelers, mm-hmm. um, you know, Chiefs, Raiders, sure. Cowboys, Eagles, like all those division rivalries. But these kind of like interconference rivals are really fun. And I would be okay if we get two Chiefs uh, Bengals games for like the next five years. That'd be fine. Couple things. Number one, I think this shows you the importance. Talking about the the Bills and the Chiefs, is that every rivalry has to be. I, I, I'm looking for the way to say this because I will, I'm not going to say that you can't create a rivalry on paper because the Bills and Chiefs weren't a rivalry on paper. They were playing big games. They played last year in the 13 seconds game. Um, but it, it 
they kind of appear at your doorstep. They appear right in your face and you go, oh, this is the best rivalry in football. You can't project it out and say this is going – oh, in January we're going to see these two teams. You could do that with Brady and Manning because Brady and Manning were completely different and they were in this – and I will put Marino and Montana in this bucket as well, where you had a certain argument, which is Tom Brady was having the team success and Peyton Manning was having the individual success. Which would you rather have? Right. That that it was it was that it was back and forth. It was what would happen if you switch those players, all that stuff. We're going to have something different with Burrow and Mahomes. It is by far the best rivalry in the NFL right now. It's the two teams that I want to see on a football field the most. Like, I wish they could just play again next week. Um, as much as respect as I have for the Eagles, I wish that they they could play again. They hate each other. The Cincinnati mayor got involved in Andy <laughs> Reid. Andy Reid was pissed off at the Cincinnati mayor in the postgame press conference. Well, you saw yeah. what the mayor said. Andy Reid is like the king of ignoring the noise. Travis Kelsey, I understand why he was pissed at the mayor, all that stuff. It, do, his, do his rock bit. I love that. All that stuff. To me, what I think is interesting is both sides are willing participants. Yeah. The Bengals love this villain role. The Burrow head stuff, Eli Apple doing the Cancun on three shit with, with, with the, the Bills last week. Uh, Tyler Dunn had a piece a couple days ago about just basically how, and listen, every team says they're disrespected, but like they like the, they like the villain role um, and that they, they've taken the kind of nobody believes in us thing and given it a real edge. Like, I think a lot of times there's kind of a Russell Wilson-esque superhero origin story with this respect where they're saying, look what I overcame. And then sometimes it's just like, actually, look what I overcame, F you. And that's the Bengals. That's the Bengals. I was intrigued by something Chris Jones said after the game, where he said he basically planned for this game. His whole offseason was dedicated to this game, thinking about the place he didn't make last year. When I talked to Mahomes in August, he was talking a lot about the Bengals and how they were basically practicing in order to finish the game against the Bengals, um, which I found pretty interesting. Um, and so I, if I were to be kind of armchair psychologist, I would say that the Bills were worried about the Chiefs last all of offseason and the year before, by the way, because of the, the year before they took two pass rushers because they wanted to beat the Chiefs. And the Chiefs were thinking about the Bengals. And that's not only because they lost to them, but because I think that there's there's some real animosity. Yeah, and it's what's fun too is that I think if the Bengals would have won this game, that would have been four and a you know, four straight wins over Mahomes. And it would have been a lot of like legacy kind of stuff. And what does this mean for the Chiefs and Mahomes? And is did this um the way that they built this team up, did it fail? Um the fact that they won this game is going to make this rivalry all that more intense. And build it up in the way the way that they won. I think the Bengals are going to feel quite aggrieved by the way that they lost. I think they're going to have a really they probably should have won that game in in for in a lot of respects. And basically until that late hit out of bounds call, I thought they were going to win that game. I was pretty convinced. And honestly, when Harrison Butker ran out there to kick a field goal, I wasn't so sure that the game wasn't going to overtime um, the way that his season has gone. So uh yeah, I maybe you're right. I'll take it. Next year, schedule rotation, 2023, Bengals at Burrowhead Stadium. Again. Again. Let's ride. I just I just love that. I, I love it, and I love... Not everybody needs to be liked. Not everybody needs to be liked, and I like that the Bengals understand that, and that, and that they've, they've got the demeanor for it. They've got the personalities for it. They're but okay aren't with they, it. But aren't they really likable? I love like, them. I think, I think they believe they're not liked. 
which is fine. I, who cares? It's like professional wrestling. I, I like them quite a bit. I, li- I mean, I like both teams. I, there's not really a good team that I'm just like, ah, I hate these people. There have been in the past. But I, I, like, I don't, for me, everyone's kind of likable right now, even including like on the NFC side. Yeah, I mean, fine. yeah, I think so too. But I, I mean, I think the Bengals view themselves. I, it, it, I think it might be less like as being the villain and more as being the like the underdog that nobody cares about us, small market. The NFL sure. doesn't want us here. Sure, um, but the Chiefs could have made the same argument. Yeah, except for that they've been to five straight AFC championship no, no, games. No, no, I'm saying in the beginning, in the beginning of oh, this, yeah, they could have been like nobody wants the Chiefs to be good. You just make up your own edge. You just make up your own origin story. Yeah, they do. Nobody Um, fact checks this stuff anymore. But I think the Bengals have come from a year ago. Everybody was like, why are they here? Like, I think there were legit a lot of people who didn't want them there last year because nobody knew who they were. It seemed kind of fluky that they made it. This year, they turned themselves into a legit juggernaut type of team with really likable players. Their coaches suddenly become likable. That was not the case a year ago. Um, and I will, this is totally an aside. I probably shouldn't say this. This is weird. Um, my TikTok, like for you page. Oh God. Oh God. Who's scared? It's basically just Joe Burrow thirst traps. It's very weird. I don't know how we got here. What's going on with your algorithm? I I think it's just because I'm like Googling like Joe Burrow stats a lot and like his, his Mm. like pro football reference page. I don't know. Mm. Um, I don't think that's it. So. So I don't know. It's weird. Um, and there's a lot of F. Mary Kill of NFL quarterbacks. It's very odd. Mm. I'm ready for the offseason. Is all I'm You're saying. For, are you ready for the next topic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or do you want to just like want to go down? Ringer, a ringer story. I like the thir- the Joe Burrow thirst traps of TikTok. We'll work is on that. that we'll is he the it. most thirsted after TikTok quarterback? Uh, I think so. Um, I think so. Yeah. Okay, something to watch. I'll, I'll start sending to be. I'll start sending to you in the middle of the night for your uh... question. I tried to do TikTok a couple weeks ago, and it's just I just don't. I don't get I'm it. I'm glad it was like not it. around when I was uh, doing 3 a.m. feeds because well, I would have been sucked it, I, into a really no, weird place. It, here's the problem with TikTok: is that for me, you can't really watch it without sound on. Right. And so I need, I need like quiet. I'm just like browsing stuff. I don't want to wake a baby. I don't want to wake my wife. And this has been true even before the baby. Like you're just sitting there and you don't want to have like some, like a Dua Lipa song blare because it's, you know, you're watching, you know, boxing highlights or, you know, some high school recruit, whatever. It's, it's not a good app for my lifestyle. Not a good app for my lifestyle. Question four Were the refs unusually bad on Sunday? No, they were bad. I will give you that. They were bad. I wrote about it in uh, our winner, winners and losers piece um, on the ringer.com, but they were not unusually bad. Um, and this is a problem uh, because we can basically count on the refs being bad or some degree of bad in basically every big game. There have been worse, <laughs> worse offici- officiated uh, championship games a couple of years ago. Uh, I think we're both old enough to remember the non-pass interference call. I was there. That enabled the Rams. I I was there too. It was loud as you know as I'll get out in that uh, in that stadium in the Superdome. Um, there was the like the phantom offsides. The um, yep. Why am I blocking out his name right now from the Chiefs? Um, uh, it's D. 
D Ford. D Ford. D Ford. Um, I was like picturing him in my head. Um, I mean, those were like really brutal calls that completely affected those games. There were bad calls in the games yesterday. And the way that the second half of the AFC championship game went, and it was like all the calls were going against the Bengals. You could kind of feel and stacking up and wondering what's going on. The problem, I think, is that it's not that there were multiple missed calls or questionable calls um, in both of the games. It's that there is this like widespread appearance of malfeasance mm-hmm. and that there's something going on. It's a problem when pro football talk we're assuming it's Mike Florio behind that Twitter account when he kind of is going stream of consciousness on Twitter, but tweets in all caps rigged to his yeah. $1.8 million followers, one of the most influential NFL media people out there. That's when it becomes a problem. You know, it's Bill Simmons who like led, led his podcast last night with how awful the officiating was. It's when there is this growing feeling that not only is the, the refereeing bad, um, missed calls, those sorts of things, but that there's like a level of incompetence or something fishy going on about who they want to win these games. Um, that's when it becomes a big problem. Couple things. Number one, the Devonta Smith catch, which I thought was going to be a huge deal and ended up just not mattering for, yeah. for a whole bunch of reasons. Part of that's on Kyle Shanahan. Devonta Smith was clearly signaling to run the play fast. <laughs> yeah. And there were a couple people who said, I think maybe even Greg Olson said it, where teams basically have hand signals to just be like, go, 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 now, 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 now. And pretty clear in retrospect that Devonta Smith was doing that. Kyle Shanahan's got to be a better game manager. He's got to yeah. understand the situation. He's got to look at that. He's got to find a way to slow it down, fake a damn injury. I, I don't care what it is. Just find a way to slow things down. Have a guy in the booth who's watching this stuff. Kyle Shanahan, and yesterday was not Kyle Shanahan's fault. That's one of our questions coming up here. But having the best plays and being the best coach are two different things. Yeah. Okay. And there's a whole it, it, Kyle Shanahan has the best plays in football. Congratulations, Kyle Shanahan. But there's just a little bit where those those things end up mattering. There's a lot of reasons teams win and lose football games. Okay. Um, two things I want to address. Number one, I saw a couple tweets, including from Emmanuel Acho, um, who's appeared on a Ringer podcast in the last couple of days. That you should probably listen to. Um, Google it if you haven't. Yeah. yeah. Um, shout out our buddy Van Lathan. Amanda Wancho said, well, they shouldn't, refs, refs should not determine the game. This is about the personal foul call at the end of the Chiefs game. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Does that mean that there should be no penalties in the last so minute, should? like the Stanley Cup finals where they just swallow their whistle? Like if you, if there's a rampant, you know, if there's a play where there's rampant pass interference from all five defensive backs in the field. Should they not call it? Because that would be the ref deciding the game at the one yard line. Like, I don't know what, where the line is between the game being officiated fairly and the refs determining the game. I, I don't, I don't understand that. Now here's the bigger point I want to make about the rigged thing about, and, and there were a lot of people who were talking about this. Yeah. I do not think the NFL is rigged because if the NFL was rigged, the Bengals would not be playing in the AFC championship game. I'd go as far to say that the chiefs would not be playing in the AFC championship game. The Cowboys not being in the Super Bowl for most players' lives, their lifespan, most players in the NFL in their lifespan at this point, 
like they've not seen, maybe they were born, they've not seen the Cowboys make the Super Bowl. Okay. And I don't think people really understand what a stimulus package the Cowboys are, Steelers are. All I'm saying is that if the NFL is rigging, they're doing a bad job relative to the teams <laughs> yeah. that get actual ratings boosts. I had to, an executive tell me a few years ago for one of the networks, basically he figured out, they figured out that if you just made your sports channel, the Cowboys channel, and you can't do it because of the pressure from the NFL and the ownership. But if you just covered the Cowboys, just talked about the Cowboys and drew in the eyeballs of the people who like the Cowboys, but more importantly, people who hate the Cowboys, you would do better ratings than what you currently do. So all I'm saying is that I don't think the NFL is waiting until minute 59 of the AC championship game to start rigging it. Uh, if they did that, the things would be significantly different to begin with. Like, you're telling me the Jets would never get a, a rigging in their favor? Like, give me a break. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Are you worried, question five, about the Chiefs and their health going into the Super Bowl? Uh, Yes, uh, I am. Because we've seen, we have recent history two years ago about uh, how quickly kind of their best laid plans can fall apart if an entire position group is decimated. Um, I'm a little less worried about Mahomes' health after kind of watching him play yesterday. Like he clearly was not himself. I mean, he wasn't able to make a lot of the athletic throws that he normally makes. He was able to kind of gut out some runs, but he's got two weeks now. And if he was able to kind of pull it together enough on six days or whatever that was, I feel like he'll be in a lot better position in eight days. I'm, or in two weeks. I'm very concerned about their receiving depth Mm -hmm. and their receiving group right now. Um, So if it's the two things together, it's Mahomes, like, let's say he's at, what percentage do you think he was at yesterday? Like 40%? I don't know. I was going to go higher. I was going to 65. You're going to go higher. If he was at 65, let's say he's at 75 to 80 in two weeks, but that receiving group is basically Travis Kelsey and MVS and Sky Moore. If they don't have Kadarius Tony, if they don't have Juju Smith Schuster, if they don't have Justin Watson, who didn't even dress for the game yesterday, it, it it's just a little bit concerning to me when all of a sudden you're a team that can win basically one way, uh, maybe two ways if you want to throw in Pacheco. But uh, yeah, I'm con- I'm concerned about it just because it's going to be a big storyline. You know, the the whole story for the Chiefs this year has been how did they remake their offense without Tyreek Hill? And they succeeded better than I think almost anybody expected to. But now they're 
going into the Super Bowl with their, their this remade receiving group being a huge question mark. That's the biggest thing for me is, is if Mahomes was 100%, I'd have a lot better time saying, oh, Mahomes against this Eagles team, say less. He's got this. The fact that we don't know anything about it, and he's played through, Veach told me a couple of years ago with that toe injury that the doctors saw it after the season were like, you should not have been playing, brother. And he's, he does that, and he does it, and he makes it look normal. And, and I said this yesterday, but he, he, he has these injuries that a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't play through. And then, like, within a quarter, he makes a throw, like the MVS throw, where you're just like, okay, that would have been the best throw in the history of 10 franchises. Like what Mahomes, Mahomes is like 150th best throw of his career, maybe even lower, would be the best throw in the history of the Detroit Lions franchise. Yes. Stafford had some good ones, but probably Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Cleveland Browns. Tennessee Titans just starting in Nashville. Probably. Maybe Aaron McNair had some. I, I wasn't. I haven't seen, but like some of those throws, the MVS throw, a lot of it, you know, um, hell before Tom Brady, even with Tom Brady, the Bucks franchise, tell me Brad Johnson, give me a break. Sean King. Come on. All right. Anyway. Um, yes, I'm, I'm extremely worried about, about the depth, uh, and not just Kadarius, Tony, Juju and Hardman, but Jerry Sneed, uh, left the game. Yeah. Well, gay left the game. Um, you start to chip away at that. I saw a stat. Chris Berman had it. Boomer was back on ESPN last night, and I had a great time. I had a great time. Um, he said that, and I'm sure this came from ESPN, uh, but he said that the Eagles started the game on Sunday with the same 22 starters they had week one. Yeah. And they had a ton of injury luck in the the year, uh, in that in the Wentz era, um, which is funny because Wentz obviously towards ACL, nothing you can do about that. But They've got good trainers. They maximize it. Now, that stuff regresses, but it ain't going to regress in two weeks. It's going to regress in like two years. Okay. That's how this works. And well, it's and a long term. They had their injury dip late in the season where it started to yes. look like, oh, maybe this is crumbling, but they got Lane Johnson back. They got, got Jalen uh, Hurts. Chauncey Gardner Johns back. Yeah. <laughs> their quarterback back. Although, like, maybe could have run him a little less yesterday um on those design they runs they got avante they, once they back. went I mean, up they once got... they once they went up a couple multiple scores on a team that was warming up christian mccaffrey on the sidelines yeah i think that they're they could have yeah. they could have started to move that um all right we're moving on question six is there anything kyle shanahan could have done to win on sunday i don't think so man i mean they Kyle. i don't I don't know if Kyle Shanahan's going to win Coach of the Year. My guess is that he's not going to. He is a finalist. Um, I'm sure he got a lot of votes the way the new system works. But he absolutely deserves whatever votes he got because of how he coached the season to get them to the NFC Championship game on three different quarterbacks. But at some point, it, that just kind of ran out. Um, and there was a lot of discussion um, about the, the emergency quarterback rule and they should have been able to have a third quarterback active. But the fact was, is they just didn't have anybody else, even if that rule had been in place. Like they didn't have some dude stashed on the practice squad that was better than Josh Johnson. And it's not like Josh mm -hmm. Johnson's, I mean, Josh Johnson was not good. They weren't going to win that game if Josh Johnson had played two and a half quarters or however, three, three, three and a half quarters, however long it was. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the defense unraveled, you know, if they'd kept their composure a little bit better, 
maybe kept the kept the Niners in it longer. Maybe something weird could happen because it's not like the Eagles were like lighting it up offensively. I mean, it wasn't this, you know, this they scored a lot of points, but it wasn't this like hugely confidence inspiring type of offense or performance out of Philadelphia. I think the Niners maybe could have hung hung in there a little bit longer and hope to get some breaks, uh, you know, flip the field a couple times defensive touchdown, those sorts of things. But from like an offensive coaching standpoint, I think they were just, they were done. I mean, George Kittle's reaction at the end, you saw him, his quote, right? Where he was like on the podium. He said, what does it feel like Mm -hmm. to lose a game? Cause we don't have a quarterback. It feels shitty. Like that's when you just know that there was nothing else you could do. I think they understood that they kind of got this magical ride out of Brock Purdy, a kid who was never supposed to be there, was never supposed to win nine straight games or whatever it was. And it happened. And then that luck just runs out. So I feel bad for Kyle Shanahan. It's another postseason like disappointment gut punch. But I I just, absent like a time machine or like crazy injections into Jimmy Garoppolo's foot, that he could have been active in time for this game. I I just, I don't think there was anything else. So there are things Kyle Shanahan could have done to make it a closer game. Yeah. Defense was playing pretty sloppy. They didn't deserve all those defensive penalties, but they deserved a whole bunch of them. Okay. I have a question and I'm, I actually cannot find if I ask Kyle Shanahan this, and I'm actually genuinely curious to the point that I, I actually, I thought about emailing the 49ers or, or just trying to otherwise figure out some intel on this. Juwan Jennings was the fourth ranked high school quarterback in his draft class. Okay. It is astounding to me. Let me let me read you the rankings. Jarrett Stidham, number one. Kyler Murray, number two. Brandon Wimbush, number three. Excuse me. Travis Johnson was number four, who ended up, by the way, practice squad receiver on the Bucks and won a ring. Juwan Jennings was number five, committed to Tennessee. Number six, Sam Darnold. Number seven, Joe Burrow. Number nine, Lamar Jackson. Okay? That's where we're at. And listen, I, I, I don't mean to sit here and say that Juwan Jennings should have been some great quarterback or whatever. Uh, But what I am saying is clearly he had some aptitude for the position and could have run around because he's very good. He's obviously extremely athletic at playing receiver in the NFL could have thrown the ball at an extra dimension. And it felt like he wasn't even a consideration. And I just don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. And I, I don't know if he was, uh, overthinking it or, you know, oh, we want to run the wildcat and not run their offense, whatever. You just need to be able to throw the ball. Christian McCaffrey, by the way, at one point I went on a show, I remember having this stat, but Christian McCaffrey had more deep touchdown passes than Jimmy Garoppolo this year, right? Like he, he I think he had a 40 yard touchdown at one pat point. I understand that he can play. I'm just saying Christian McCaffrey probably needed to play running back. He was the only thing that was going for them in the second quarter. I think we need to, by the way, to sort of lump this all in with some of the weird decisions that that he made. I don't think that if you play this game a hundred times, that Kyle Shanahan would win very many times. I think that he would win a couple of times because there could be some fumble luck thing or the turnovers or the Eagles have all their quarterbacks get hurt. He played a hundred times. Yeah. The Niners are going to win a couple of them, but that's only because of the, flu- the, the breaks of the game and the way football works. But I do think that he kind of what I talked about earlier with some of the, the challenges, some of the play calling. I, I, I just really could have made this a little closer. It, it's, it's two separate things. The, the Niners have nothing to be ashamed of season wide. If you're talking about yeah. 
two quarterbacks going down, Brock Purdy going 7-0, and Josh Johnson can't take a snap falling on By the way, when he couldn't take that snap, and this, that was what changed the entire game, fall on the ball better? Well, I don't know what that was. It was like he was stunned. I thought it was a false start, and I thought that maybe he thought it was a false start. But then he could just fall on the ball. Like, you see that all well-coached teams plan, and they just say, okay, well, we're just going to fall on the ball just in case. I don't know what it was, but that was that was brutal. All right, question number seven. Do you think it's fair to point out that the Eagles haven't played anybody? I mean, their schedule is what it is, right? I mean, I was looking through it yesterday. I've talked to Ben Solak about this a lot as he's been um, trying to rein in his Eagles enthusiasm a little bit. He actually picked the Niners in this game, which he will, uh, which Eagles fans have pointed out to him a lot on Twitter. Um, But like they, they played who they played. Um, and the best quarterbacks that they beat this year are washed up Aaron Rodgers at midseason when the Packers were a mess and probably Kirk Cousins back in week two. Um, you know, it hasn't been the type of juggernaut that they would have had to face if they were in the AFC with Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. That just that just wasn't what their schedule was this year. Um you know, they lost to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys when Prescott was healthy, they beat the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. Was that something that happened this year? Like, can't remember. can't remember the Cooper Rush the era. Cooper Rush era? Um, Nora and I went to a Cooper Rush started game. I, I do remember that. Yeah. Wow. What a time. What a time. That was your previous life. Good luck. Good luck going to a Monday night football game in your near future. Um I actually think I was thinking about this. I think that when Teddy's older, I, Monday and Thursday are the only games I'm going to get to. With him. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Sunday game. Event, yeah, like five years from now. But that's the yeah. way. That's the way for him to see live football. Yeah. Uh, so. We do preseason and uh, we did a Saturday week 18 game. That was a that was a really nice way. Really nice way to do it. Um, so keep that in mind for the future. Um, but look, they play who they play. I mean, I think it's fair to question them because they haven't maybe been tested in the way that some other teams have been tested in terms of like the opposing offenses they have to face. Um, but it shouldn't make them any less formidable. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the truth is that their roster is as good as anybody is in football this year, one through 53, their quarterback has played great. Um, and now we'll get a test, you know, they're going to have their best offense that they've had to face their, their best complete team is going to be in two weeks. So we'll find out. So Warren Sharp did a breakdown before the season and the Eagles had the second easiest schedule based on, I believe, Vegas win totals. And those things changed. And I think he readjusted it. But I think that the the uh, the takeaway was that the Eagles had the second easiest schedule in football. Okay, Giants being number one. Right behind them, the Colts and the Bears did not take advantage of their easy schedule. You win a bunch of games in the regular season... And by the way, again, I just said the Giants had the number one easiest schedule. A bunch of teams had an easy schedule. But you win a bunch of games in the regular season in order to have the bye, in order to have an easy path. And the bye, and one of the things I think, one of the arguments I heard against the uh, home field, I guess you could say, title game, is that the bye is already so important. They don't need the bye. A team doesn't need the bye and home field advantage in in the conference game. Well, but let's put that aside for a second. But... I, I, I think that there are two separate things here. The first thing is I heard a bunch of media during the broadcast. I heard it on ESPN afterwards. Heard a bunch of people say on Twitter saying, well, you can't take anything away 
from the Eagles. You can't take anything away from the fact that, you know, oh, yeah, sure, the, 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 the Niners couldn't throw the ball, but you can't take away anything from the Eagles. Yes, you can. You can. Why can't you? Why can't you discuss it? We can't just sit here and say, we have to judge the Eagles on who they played. Well, no, 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 no. You can say the Eagles are a great team and also say, by the way, yeah. they beat Daniel Jones and, and like the, a, an armless Brock Purdy. That's fine to say. The NFC was weak this year. You can say that. We've said that a hundred times. Remember when the, the, the damn NFC won like every single Super Bowl for a long ass time? Yeah. And we used to say, man, the AFC is weak. You get to say that. You can say that they get to do, this isn't college football where we get to we're going to argue hypotheticals. And is this team better than this team? They're going to get to prove it in two weeks. So who cares? Yeah. Who cares? This is a completely a, a, a this is this is a, a, a conversation we get to have because it's going to end up not mattering. So you get to, get to throw it out there and say, yeah, the Eagles haven't played anybody. Fine. Like, fine, we can say that. And then in two weeks, we get to find out if they're the best team in football because they're playing what I consider to be normally the best team in football. So this is great. And that's why I'm really, like, I'm happy about this matchup. And I think, like, had the Bengals won this game too, had, the, had they beat the Chiefs, I, I think it would have been a really great Super Bowl matchup because a lot of the strengths that we see in the Chiefs are similar things in the Bengals. But we we got the best two teams. We've got the best two teams narratively. We got the teams that were widely considered to be the best two teams in football for a majority of the season. And now we're going to get to, we're, we're going to get our answer and we can debate this for two weeks. I'm not going to watch the ESPN hot take shows because it's going to get insufferable over the next two weeks with these sorts of topics. So I'm glad we got it out of the way now. I we disagree. Dan Orlovsky had a wonderful suit on today. I thought about <laughs> getting in touch and asking him where that, that suit is from. Well, he's, he's quite available. If you, uh, I, I don't think it'll be hard to find out. I'm going to, I'm doing right now. <laughs> He'll probably respond by the time we, uh, before we wrap up, which is why Dan is great. Although I don't know where you're going to be wearing a suit anytime soon. Um, Are you joking? I'm wearing one every day of Super Bowl week. Every day of Super Bowl week. No, I can't wait. Yes. And then you will, and then you'll wear nothing but joggers for the next three months, which I appreciate. I am cooking. You'd wait to, right out of frame are all my dress shirts and then my suits are right over here. I am oh. cooking. I am wow. cooking. Everybody keeps asking me if we're sure that you want to go to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, he is ready. <laughs> he well, is ready. I'll say this publicly. I said it to you privately. So I was able to tell people we were going to have a baby when I was at my training camp tour. So I'm talking to people inside the league and, and media and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, my baby is going to be a month when the Super Bowl comes. And half the people were like, okay, well, when – your baby is in your arms. You're going to realize that like, you don't care about the Super Bowl. You don't care about anything. Like you're just, just, you're just captured by the wonder of creation. Right. And then half the people were like a month in is about right. But you're going to want to get away. You're going to want to get away. I had some people who were like, I actually came up with like, like fake work trips six weeks in. And some people told me that. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm assuming these trip. are mad that you're talking. Just yes, 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 yes. Okay, cool. I mean, this is okay, this cool. is just, actually just getting that what out. what you're what you're getting at is actually uh, why we need more women in in the NFL front offices. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yes. Um, um, all right. Last question. Not not related to Sunday. What is the most surprising part of the coaching carousel? Now it can be related to Sunday because Kellen Moore is out. As Cowboys OC, apparently he's talking to the Chargers, wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, is anyone ever going to get hired again as an NFL coach? Once yeah, I mean, I think it's the um, the lack of speed 
with all of this, I mean, the Senior Bowl is starting today. I mean, everybody is arriving in Mobile. And it for years and years and years, a lot of the urgency with getting staffs, getting coaches hired and their staffs built was so that they could be together in Mobile, that they could have their staffs put together so that they could start all of their offseason preparations and draft free agency planning and getting to the combine. Um, and one of the things that we've kind of, I think the collective we for a while have been saying is like, why does it have to be so fast? Slow down, do a better job vetting the candidates, go get a deeper candidate pool, look, you know, look at the coaches that are uh, in the conference championship games and in the Super Bowl. Um, but now that we're here, it's kind of like, well, why is, why is nobody getting hired? And it does feel a little bit like they're waiting for some dominoes to fall and to figure out, like, is Sean Payton going to take a job? And if Sean Payton takes a job, then what happens after that? Is Jim Harbaugh going to get back in the mix? Denver doesn't seem to have quite let that go. The Broncos coaching search seems to be messy, to say the least, in terms of, like, direction and who they're actually looking at and who they're going to hire. Um, but it does seem kind of like there's a lot of teams like, staring at each other, waiting for somebody to make a hire and then see what comes next. I did see what the, the news Monday morning was that the uh, Cardinals are going to interview Lou Anarumo. Uh, finally, Big Lou going to gonna get an interview. Um, you know, I think Brian Callahan got one interview. There's a bunch of guys on the Eagles staff that are still in the mix. Um, a couple guys on the Chiefs staff that might still be a little bit in the mix. Mike Kafka from the Giants is now back. I mean, so there, there's just names all over the place and no real consensus on who is going to go where. I think part of it is NFL teams are trying to maybe operate a little differently on who they hire and how they hire in the sense of like roles. Right. And I don't think, I think there were for a couple of years, I did a story last year about how basically the number two and a coordinator from a team that made the championship game the year before is the most likely hire, most likely hired person in the NFL. Right. And I think teams are trying to get away from like, Oh, this is a good coordinator. Let's just hire him. Um, but I don't think that they're that efficient at that. And so we're looking at Jim Harbaugh. We're looking at Sean Payton and we're trying to suss out whether or not all of that makes any sense. Um, and, and, and I think that for those roles. And so you see Greg Penner taking a second meeting with Jim Harbaugh, his first in-person one after Harbaugh already said he's coming back. And I just think that there's, I, I, I don't blame them because I think you should kind of take every measure, but for me, it just seems like a lot of fishing expeditions. Anything, anything on the Broncos? I, I do want to say real quick is that there was a Mark Maskey report that Sean Payton was worried he was going to clash with a member of ownership. And I'm laughing now thinking it's Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I, I hope it's. Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Just Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not. Nightmare. I'm guessing it's not. Just but, Lewis um... Hamilton, a complete nightmare in the draft room. They're going to have yeah, to take I mean, it. They're going to be like uh, Stephen with Jerry Jones. have to take his, the draft card away when he's trying to draft a quarterback. <laughs> I would like him to be more involved. Um, the crossovers between the uh, Slow News Day slash F1 pod possibilities. Ain't that the right truth. There. No, we'll just see. We'll just see if the, any of these teams are actually going to hire anybody. Um, the OC hires have been way more interesting. The OC intrigue of late. Yeah. All right. This has been great. We'll see you next week. We have an episode on Wednesday with a famous person who's been on the show a bunch. We're excited about it. It's not Lindsay Jones on Wednesday. She is a famous wow. person who's been on this show a bunch. And then Danny Kelly's going to round us out. Um, I, mean, I thought I thought that was the intro for Danny Kelly, which I was really impressed the way that you were building Danny up Kelly's Danny Kelly. never been on Slow News Day, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. I don't think so. This is very exciting. Does he know what he so. needs to wear? We should send him a Well, he's going to be the senior. Wardrobe guidelines. He's going to be wearing a hoodie. 
and a hat. Yeah. He's going to be wearing a hat. Okay. And maybe Lizzie a Jones. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Thanks. This has been Slow News Bye. Thank you to Richie Bozik Production Help. We'll see you later. Thank you.